chapter 14. Just to give you a little backdrop as to what's happening here. John the Baptist has just been beheaded by the order of King Herod. And the disciples had just brought word to Jesus that they would given this beloved man that Jesus loved so much a proper burial. And so Jesus, he actually felt pain. He, he felt hurt. He, he felt emotion while walking this earth. And so he was, he was hurt. He was saddened by the news about John the Baptist. And so he, he separated himself. How many just ever feel a time where you just need a few minutes by yourself? And so that's where we pick up Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. When Jesus heard this, He withdrew there from there in a boat to a desolate place by Himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed Him on foot from their towns. When you know who Jesus is, you'll go to any height, any depth to be with Him. Amen? And when He went ashore, He saw a great crowd and He had compassion on them. And He healed the sick. And now when it was evening, the disciples came to Him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to Him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And He said, Bring them here to Me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they ate all and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who were ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, you and I cannot earn our salvation through good works. Amen. We've talked about that over and over and over. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn right standing with God. There, there are not enough good things that you can do. You cannot behave well enough to earn salvation. But when we become saved by grace through faith in Christ, we are called to serve. We are called to good works. And so we've been talking about the faith aspect for many weeks. And in in light of VBS, and I'm so grateful for all of you who have committed to serve. And, And if you're not serving in VBS, so many of you just help in so many different capacities. You know, this morning I just couldn't help. I was standing here at the piano and to look over and to see my son on drums and to see my other son back running sound and my wife on the front row doing nothing. I I mean, (laughs) y'all pray for her. Now you pray for me. (laughs) But you know what? My heart has just been overjoyed. And I I love serving the Lord. And I love that my children and my wife love serving the Lord. There's no greater thing to do than to use God-given talents for His glory. It's a calling. Amen? Amen. And and it's when, when you begin to tap into what God has called you to do, you will know what it is to live out your purpose. Everybody's looking for purpose. Everybody wants to know. It's, it's a big discussion in the philosophical world. 
I remember in my philosophy class, even in a Christian college, people are wondering, what am I on this earth for? And, and, and just so you are clear, you are created for His glory. And one of the ways that you give God glory once you are saved is by finding out what it is that God has called you to do and walking in it day by day. There's no greater... You're, listen, you're not called to do what God's called me to do. You're called to do what He's called you to do. That is finding your purpose, relishing in it, loving it, walking in it day by day. That's the aim. I want to take you to a scripture here. Go with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I don't have this one on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2. This is a really, really small writing. So somebody, look at that. Can anybody read that from out there? Come on, you got super. We'll use you for our superhero VBS if you can, right? This is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse, let's start in verse 8. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, For by grace... It's by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now we like to stop there, and that's a glorious verse, but watch this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know God prepared this morning a good work for a nursery worker today? He prepared a good work for Carol down at Kids Church. Because He wants those children to hear the Word of God. Do you know He prepared beforehand, before the foundations of the world, He prepared this worship service. He called me to preach. He called uh, our our greeters out there. He called, called our VIP workers. He called our worship team. He has prepared those things for us. This is not some ambiguous calling. There are real good works that we are called to. Are you with me? And so we want to find those and we want to walk in our purpose. So let me just draw out some things from this text. Number one, I think that we all want to have and know the heartbeat of God. We want our heart to be in sync with God's heart. In other words, I want to be about what God wants me to be about. Man, I'm not here for my own agenda. I'm here for the Lord. And as we talked about, Paul said in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. See, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So that means I am about His business. Amen? And so, you can write this down. Number one, to have the heart of God is first to be compassionate towards others. See, to work nursery... I need some help from some nursery workers. How many people in here work nursery from time to time? How many know you've got, you've got to have compassion towards others or you're not going to do it? Right? And if you don't have compassion for others, nursery is not where you want to be. Amen? If you work kids' church, you've got to have compassion towards others. If you go out and do the outreaches that we do, the halfway house ministry that Larry and Fern did this morning, you've got to have compassion towards others. Look at verse 14. It says that Jesus, when He went ashore, He saw a great crowd. Here He was trying to get away to a desolate place. And He gets to shore, finally alone. And what happens? He's not alone at all, is He? There's a crowd of people. And the Bible says that He had compassion on them and He healed their sick. What a wonderful God we serve. You know, He was never too busy when He walked this earth for people. 
He always took time to, to, to minister to those that other people would just pass over. And if we want the heart of God, if we want to walk in the purpose that He has for our lives, listen, every one of us have got to be men and women of compassion. We can't just walk through this world and turn the blind eye to the need that is on every corner. We have got to be a people of compassion. We have a hurting world. We have a dying world. We have a world full of people that are ready to split hell wide open. And we've got to get a heart for people. Amen? People outside and people inside the church. We've got to have a heart for people. We've got to be moved with compassion. And this is something that we're all called to. We are all called to meet the needs of others. Look at verse uh, 16. The disciples have just gone, and they, you know they, they've done a bunch of ministry, and they're going, Jesus, we've got our little picnic baskets, and we're going to go over here and just have some food, and uh, you need to send these people home so they can get some grub. They were hungry. But watch what Jesus says. Look at verse 16. They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Don't we always want to push the buck to somebody else? We, 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 want, the, we, we want somebody else to take care of the need. Here's what we do often when people come up to us and they're in need. We like to say, well, let me just pray for you. We're going to be all spiritual. Let me just pray for you so that somebody might meet the need. Let me just pray that, that, that God would provide. I've said this before. He did provide the sandwiches in your fridge. Right? The money's in your bank account. Amen? That, that, that heat bill can be paid. That electric bill can be paid. And God's called you to meet that need if you're able. So we are called to meet the needs of others. And some of you may argue and say, Pastor, I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too poor or I just don't know enough about the Bible. And so you say, I have nothing to give. Have you ever been there and you feel like, listen, I know this is for most people, but God will understand because I don't have anything to give. That's not true. All right? Everybody has something to give. That's why you're here. Do you understand that we are the hands and the feet of God? The church is the hands and the feet of God on this earth. So when Jesus went, He sent the Holy Spirit to work and move through us, to empower us, to continue kingdom work in absence of Jesus physically being on this earth. We are the body of Christ in every single one of it. Uh, Paul talks about this to the church at Corinth. Every one of us, we're one body with many members and all of us have a gift. So the disciples are going, Lord, look what he says, verse 17. We only have five loaves and two fish. He's looking at a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. So this isn't really feeding the the 5,000. That's what your heading might say, but that means that the children and women didn't get to eat. That's some mean men right there, right? This is 5,000 plus women and children. And they're saying, all we have is five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, oh, I understand, just go on home. Is that what He said? What did He say? Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Jesus has not called you to give what you don't have. He's just called you to give what you do have. He never asks us to give something that we're not capable of giving. But He has called us to give that which He has given 
us. Amen? So many people don't feel like they have a lot. And so they, they feel like, well, I shouldn't give anything. That is not true. So many people say this. Lord, if you just, if, if you just help me win the lottery. Or if you just drop some money into my, you know, let, let somebody I don't like die and leave me a bunch of money. That weird uncle. I know, come on. I, I see y'all shaking, you know, nudging each other. Yeah. You got somebody in mind right now. Let them leave me a bunch of money. And then, Lord, then I'll give. No, you won't. Because if you don't give one dollar out of ten, you're not going to give ten out of a hundred. You're not going to. It's more difficult to give, believe it or not, statistically. It's more difficult the more money you have. You have a thousand, it's going to be hard to give a hundred. You make ten thousand, it's going to be hard to give a thousand. It gets harder and harder and harder. And we're not just talking about money here. We have three main resources that God has given every one of us. We all have time. Amen? We have talent and we have treasure. Three things. And we are to serve God. It's not a pick and choose. Well, you use, you know, I'll use my talent, you use your time. Or I'll use my treasure, you use your talent. No, we're all called to serve. We're called to spend time with the Lord. We're all called to give financially. And so... Don't wait until you have abundance. We, we love to talk about uh, giving and be given, pressed down, shaking together, you, you know, and, and all of this. Listen, it doesn't say get a lot and then give, and then it will be pressed down. No, it says give, give. Then it's going to come in abundance. You've got to give first. So I just want to challenge you don't wait till you have everything you think you need to have. Listen, I know what it's like to have young children. How many know it makes life difficult? And you, you think when you're a, a parent of young children, I can't wait till they're teenagers. Don't ever wish that upon yourself. Because it gets crazier. I'll go back to diapers. You know, I, we'll, we'll go back to those days where the kids are running around in diapers and no shirt. You know, um, you, you know, back to the toddler days over teenage years. But I know that when, when, when children are really young, it is very difficult in all seriousness to do ministry. And, and I hear these excuses all the time. Well, you know, we're going to start coming more faithfully. We're going we're to start serving more whenever the kids get a little bit older. And then the kids get a little older and you go, listen, this is just not a good time. The kids, man, they go to high school now and it's, we, we've got sports, we've got this. And, and, and then after, they, after they're out of the house, you know what, we're just enjoying an empty nest right now. And see, if you start with excuses at one point in your life, you're going to always have an excuse. See, the enemy doesn't want you to use what God's given you. I, I was a pastor and had two young children. My, my poor wife had, you know, she, she was a full-time stay-at-home mom, was trying to take care of things at home, and then she worked for a while on top of it, and then was a pastor's wife. And it's difficult. It's difficult, but you may not have, if you're a parent of young children, or maybe some other circumstance limits your time, you may not have days that you can come and serve the church, or, or days that you can go out in the community, but you have something. Do you have an hour a week? See, don't say, don't ever make the excuse, I just don't have enough. You have something, give Him what you do have. Sunday morning, I just believe it's not a work day. Now, some of you who work in the hospital, some of you who work on the police force, I'm, I'm grateful that from time to time you, you work on a Sunday. I wish it wasn't you. There's a, plenty of lost people that can work on Sundays. But um, I wish they'd come to church in your place. You say, hey, I'll work for you on Sunday if you go to my church. Let's make that kind of deal. Does that sound good to everybody? 
So, so I, I know that sometimes you have to work, but if by choice, use Sunday as a day of worship. And plan your, your week around a, a day of worship instead of approaching it like, well, if we can fit church in, we'll just see. If you can't, listen, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you are missing it. You are absolutely missing it. God is pouring out your, His Spirit. It's, it's wonderful. Now, just to clarify, we do not have church this Wednesday, but we have VBS, and I hope you're coming to that. Uh, so, so we will not be having church this Wednesday night, but normally, be here Wednesdays, be here Sundays, be here as, as much as you can to the events and things that, that, that you're able to make. Okay, this is not a condemning thing. I'm just telling you, if you want to live in the abundant life that God's given you, you you've got to do what He's called you to do. No excuses. So he, he doesn't say, take your cross and follow me if it's convenient. Or if you don't have young kids. Or if you don't have a great job right now. Or if you, you're working lots of hours. He just says, take up your cross and follow me. And the implication is, you die, the life is about the kingdom now. That's what salvation is. Your flesh is crucified daily and you're living out kingdom purposes. Are you with me? So we are, we are to give even when it is not convenient for us. Proverbs 3.27, I love this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it. Okay, you, 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 don't, you don't say, somebody comes to you and they have a need and you have the ability to, to meet it. You don't say, hey, you know what, come back tomorrow, I'm going to pray about whether I should give or not. No, God has prepared that person beforehand, before the foundations of the earth, to come to you in that moment so that you could meet that need. You don't need to pray. You can pray. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't need to pray to ask God whether you should meet that need. Because if you have it and you can meet it, Come on, somebody, meet it, right? Meet it. Do it. You don't have to pray about it. We, we like to sound all spiritual by contemplating something, right? We, we, instead of just going, you know what, I, we should just be honest and go, I don't really know if I want to do that or not. I, I really, I've got a big dinner plan tonight. I really need that extra money. And we're, we're going to the lake this weekend and, you know, whatever. We're going to need this. Instead, we just go, let me pray about it, brother. Self-righteous, right? Uh, attitude. No, we don't do that. We need to meet the need. The, the last thing I want to do, and I, I've, I wrote this in here and, and just to allude to it, but and, and I want to be careful with my motives here. I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back. I, I, I don't think I am. Um, we got to check our motives, don't we, all the time. But um, the, the Halfway House um, is a ministry that I love, but I'll just be really honest with you. The last thing I want to do on Wednesday night, I work about a 12-hour day and uh, on, on Wednesdays a lot of times, 10 to 12 hours. I do a discipleship class for an hour. I, I preach in here almost for the full hour, about 45 minutes of that. I usually have counseling meetings on Wednesdays. That's when I do most of my, my counseling. And then I go to a halfway house and I sit with about 12 to 14 guys usually. And I go through a Bible study sometimes for an hour, hour and a half. There's nothing inside of me that's... I, I get a lot out of it. But there's nothing in my flesh that goes, Hey, you're exhausted, man. Wouldn't it be cool if you go to the halfway house and sit around and teach more? 
Why do I do it though? Because I have a need right now. And I've got the ability to meet it. I don't particularly love, and I'm I'm so grateful for Fern and Larry and some of the others of you who have offered to go on Sunday mornings and we're going to get you connected to that. It's been difficult to go to the halfway house and preach and then to come here and to preach. And so, it's not something I particularly love doing. Even though I I love being there, I love those guys, I, I love the ministry. Probably one of my favorite ministries I do. But it's difficult. It's not convenient always. I want to go, I think after I preach, I'm drained after I preach on Wednesday nights. And I I would do anything just to go home and flop in the bed and just be done for the night. But we are called to move and to serve even when it's not convenient. So real quickly, let me talk about the process of blessing others. The process of, of blessing others. I hate spiritualizing texts. Okay? This is a real story that really happened. But I think there's some application here that will really, really help us. And I'm going to try not to spiritualize it. I'm going to try to hold to the text. But I, I think this will really help you. I hope that you want to be used by God. And this is kind of the process that He takes us through when you're willing. And say, God, I want to be used by you. Number one, we give what we have to Jesus. Verse 18 And he said, bring them here to me. He's talking about the fish and the loaves. Bring them here to me. Bring what you have to me. Okay? The first thing you must understand, if you're going to find your purpose, if you're going to walk in what God's called you to do, that you're ultimately not serving that person on the side of the road. You're not serving your pastor or your church. Ultimately, you are serving the Lord. Okay, So you bring what you have to Him. If you do not go to God and if you do not allow the Lord to empower you and to equip you and and, and to just fill you with His Spirit, you will serve and you will quickly become frustrated and tired and you will not be effective. Okay? It takes... You have to take what you have and bring it to God and say, God... I need your touch upon this. I give what I have to you. There are plenty of people in the world who know nothing of Jesus or don't care anything about Jesus who are doing good things. Alright, there's people who serve and give to charities. You don't have to have the Lord to do something good. But if you want to walk in your purpose, if you don't want to end up frustrated and tired, if you want to really... Make the most of what you have. You've got to first bring it to the Lord and say, God, this is ultimately for you. What's the Bible say? Whether you're eating or drinking, do all to the glory of God. The two most base things in life. Whatever I do, Lord, I do it for your glory. So so you've got to understand our, our reason for serving is not so I can look good. It's not so you can look good. It's so he can look good. What did he say in Matthew 5 and Jesus' uh, famous Sermon on the Mount? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And he doesn't say, and pat you on the back. And tell people what a good, other people what a good pastor you are. Or what a good singer you are. They say, he said, no, that they may see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. That's the aim. We bring what we have to Jesus. I love Proverbs 19.17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and He'll repay him for his deed. Proverbs 19.17. 
It's amazing considering it's all His already. But I believe that there's a blessing when you're tired and you don't have a lot. But you just take what you have and you just say, Lord, here you go. Lord, here you go. It's powerful, amen? We give what we have to Jesus. Number two, He blesses what we bring to Him. He blesses. Look at verse 19. And He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and He said a blessing. What I love about bringing what I have to the Lord is that the Lord adds His blessing to it. If I'm going to serve, I want God to add His blessing to it. How is VBS going to be effective? The only way is that the Lord would bless it. And say, we we, we bring every leader, every junior helper, every child before the Lord. And we say, Lord, it's yours. Bless it. When God blesses it, big things happen. I'll never forget my first, no, my second VBS here. And I, I walked in the back and I see leaders around the sanctuary. Little kids knelt down hearing the gospel. And them saying, yeah, I want Jesus to be my Savior. Wow. That's what it's about. So God blesses what we bring to Him. Number three, there's a breaking process. He, he took the bread and what did He do? He broke it. And this is where I want to be careful not to spiritualize the text. But I'm going to give you a verse where I, to show you that I think this is valid. That a lot of times when we want to be used by the Lord, I believe that there is a breaking process. I cannot tell you how painful this has been in my ministry. The Lord has had to humble me. The Lord has had to take me through a breaking process. And I imagine the disciples. I mean, they are hungry. And they just have a little food that's enough for them. And they see Jesus start breaking it. And they must be thinking, Lord, I was going to eat that. Come on, that's the good side of the bread. A little bit softer, a little bit fresher. Don't give that piece away. And they're walking, they're, they're, they're watching the Lord take what they have. What was theirs... And he begins to break it. And that's always a painful process. And I love James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. See, don't don't let your response just always be, Devil, why are you doing this to me? Could it be that the Lord is allowing some things to come into your life to teach you something, to grow you, to prepare you for what's ahead? And without the test, without the trial, you may not be able to handle what the Lord has for you. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's a breaking process. Often, when people serve, they get into ministry and they go, Pastor, I don't know what's wrong. Like Everything's... Falling apart in my life. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm, I'm serving. I'm giving. What's wrong? And I say, you're doing something right. You're doing something right. Yeah, you can look when something's going wrong in your li- life and say, what am I doing wrong? But I dare you to look at your, your life. This will give you a great perspective change. And say, what is it that I'm doing right? Because something's after me today. Somebody's after me today. Something must be going right in my life. 
I must be doing something right. There's a breaking process. Number four, He multiplies. He multiplies. When you let God take you through the the breaking process, don't quit. When you start serving in ministry and things get a little tough and somebody frustrates you in the church, don't quit. The Lord's trying to teach you something. Push through. Keep going. Plant your feet. Because if you'll make it through the that, that breaking process, if you'll stay and keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, He'll multiply that gift. He'll multiply that monetary gift, that physical gift, that talent. And you'll, you'll sit back. I sit here today, I stand here today, and I look at you, and I go, God, I don't deserve this. How, how does this happen to a guy like me? And it's because I've been through a breaking process. And the Lord's multiplied. He's multiplied. Because He's added this blessing. It's all Him. It's not me. And I watch Him doing this in our leaders' lives. I've watched them go through a breaking process. Our, we have about 15 leaders here that are tremendous. And they have been through the dirt. Can I get a witness, anybody? <laughs> They've been through the mud. But it's so incredible now to watch them. To watch them. Just flourishing in the, in, the, in the goodness of God and enjoying what God's called them to do. Seeing how they've grown. I, I watched one of our, my administrative assistant, Darlene, I hope you're not going to beat me afterwards for this, but I watched her coming in here and I, I, I don't want to share too much, but she just got some health issues. And I watched her come in here with a smile on her face after just serving at God's outreach for hours. Coming here barely able to breathe. And I'll say, Darlene, why don't you just go home? And she cuts me if I say that to her. She, she hurts me if I say that to her. Because she doesn't want to go home. She pushes through. She pushes through. And to see the delight on her heart when she talks about our church, when she talks about the kingdom of God is incredible. Push through the breaking process. He'll multiply it. Finally, here's, here's a really good part. You ready? When you allow God to use you in this capacity, your needs will be met. This is so incredible. Here's here's the end of the story. They've given their their food that they had. God broke it. He fed the crowd. Now watch this. They took up 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? 12. And how many baskets were there? 12. They each had their own Happy Meal. Come on, somebody. They took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is incredible. If they would have done this on their in their own strength, they would have been tired and frustrated and ready to quit the church. But here's what happened. They gave what they had to Jesus. They didn't depend on their own strength in their weakness and the, the little that they had. God blessed it and He multiplied it. And thousands of people were fed because of Jesus. And in the end, they're not tired. They're not frustrated. And they're not without. You cannot outgive God. This is not our motive for giving, but it's a spiritual truth that when you give in the right motive and you give and you bless others, God will not let you go without. Can I get a witness? He is so faithful. Twelve baskets left over. That's the process. And I just want to encourage somebody today. 
Don't just be a pew warmer on Sunday mornings. Get involved. And I'm looking around and 90% of you are doing something. Pastor, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of money. You have something. Give what you have. Bless somebody. And it's not just in church. It might be somebody at work. It might be somebody, young people at school. You watch them and, and they're not ever wearing any new clothes and you have a closet full and you just secretly not to call them out or embarrass them. Maybe don't even put your name on it. Just leave them a bag and say, this is for you. Give them some of those extra clothes that you have. You see that they're bringing just scraps for lunch every day. Bless them. Bring them food. Don't pray about it and come back tomorrow. Do it today. You want to take the kingdom of God out there? Just begin to serve other people. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God who's in heaven. And in the end, you're going to be the happiest people on the planet because everybody's frustrated because they're not fulfilling their purpose. This doesn't mean you quit your job. It means you serve at your job. So instead of being frustrated, why God put me with all these unsaved people? Gee, I wonder. So you can be a light to them. So you can serve them and show them, not just tell them about the love of God. Perspective, isn't it? So I pray that, that, that you are walking in that purpose. That you would give yourself fully to the Lord. That being said, stand with me. I pray that you won't leave yet. We, we, got, we have a quick baptism in just a moment. And when I'm getting ready, I'm going to ask some of our pastors and leaders and board members to come down and just pray for people if anybody needs it. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, today's the day. Today's the day. We'll have leaders here that can tell you how you can become a Christian. If you don't feel comfortable coming down, grab one of us after, uh, after church. Any of our ushers, pastors, board members, um, somebody that looks like a leader, if they can't... Uh, Lead you themselves to point you to somebody who can. Don't leave here in the same way you came in. But I, I'm looking around and I know most of you are church folks who love Jesus. And so I just want to ask you, are you walking in the purpose that God has for your life? Or are you making excuses? You'll never be happy until you walk in what God's called you to do. So I just encourage you, why don't you take just a moment, come to the altar, join us this morning. And say, God, what is it that you've asked me to do? What is it? Alright? Father, I pray for this wonderful people today. I pray, oh God, that you would move upon them. Speak to their hearts, Lord. Our lives are yours. This is not about us. It's about you. We love you. Help us to hear with clarity the purpose that you've given each one of us.